How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got to I got to check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast. Sort of. Featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is... I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome into another edition of Booze and Baseball with Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. This is episode number 26 for us. Coming up this weekend, the MLB Draft. Coming up at the start of next week is the MLB All-Star Game and all the festivities around that. Uh, But first things first, Dusty, what are you drinking tonight? Yeah, well, at the time of this recording, uh, I was watching the Dodgers and the Marlins. And literally, as you were just introducing that, uh, Jesus Aguilar, my ultimate Enemy number one just did a walk-off home run against the Dodgers. So uh, to celebrate that, I have to pick probably the worst drink in America. So I decided to pick uh, Mike's Cold Hard Lemonade, which was in the very back of my refrigerator. So I already hate myself enough from watching what I just witnessed about 0.2 seconds ago. So why not hate myself a little bit more and drink probably the sugariest and least hard-hitting drink that I could have. I've also been working on articles for our JustBaseball.com site, but that takes – second place into uh, me being more upset with what I just watched in front of my eyes as we speak. What about you? I am drinking a gin and tonic, uh, watching the calories, I guess, so to speak. So nothing special there, gin and tonic, a little lime in there. It's, uh, it's tasty. If you could, uh, first of all, what gin is, is it that you're using? Would you be uh, ashamed that I'm drinking Bombay Sapphire? I mean, I'm drinking Mike's cold hard lemonade, so I feel like I can't really talk. I don't know why I'd be ashamed. It just sounds like, I don't know, it just sounds shameful. Bombay reminds me of a store my mom used to shop at at when I was a kid. So, yeah, I mean, the name maybe doesn't do it for me, but, uh, hey, it's gin and tonic. I feel like you can't go wrong with that. So that's that's a pretty baseline normal drink to have. Uh, like I said, if you hate yourself, you drink Mike's Cold Hard Lemonade, and that's exactly what I'm doing. So, yeah, as we're talking, I'm just watching this replay of Edwin Yuseta uh, serving up a fat one to Jesus Aguilar, who Derek knows all too well is one of my least favorite players in all baseball. So it's only appropriate that he would torch the Dodgers and give them their third consecutive loss after having nine straight victories. This whole season's just whacked for LA. Well, you know what else the Dodgers lost? That was on July 8th of 1971. The Chicago Cubs beat the Dodgers 4-2. to two. Um, Despite that, though, here's the bright spot for the Dodgers. Center fielder Willie Davis went 4-4 four for four that game. He also had a double. Uh, at the time, that 4 for 4 game raised his average to 351 at that point in the season. Uh, can you take a guess what Willie Davis's on-base percentage was? Again, he had a 351 average. What was his on-base percentage at that point in time? 
Well, what I do remember from Willie Davis, he had a very long baseball career, but uh, never really had a ton of power. I, I believe he actually had more stolen bases, like, like almost two times the amount that he did home runs, not a ton of power there. Um, so I don't really think he was that imposing at the plate per se. Uh, but I would guess just based off of basic knowledge that he probably got on base just as much as he hit. So I would guess around, you said 351. I'm going to take a swing at it and say 360. So like a 0.09 differential. Yeah, it was 362. Which Yeah, that's it's actually not shocking because the way that Davis played, I don't think you would see a player like that uh, today. Maybe an Adam Frazier uh, could be a good comp. Uh, in terms of just what he's produced this year. But, yeah, that, it's a very unusual thing to see numbers-wise now. But back in the day, you have to think about the contact hitters that basically their whole situation was hitting, getting on base, and uh, maybe not necessarily being the power guys that draw the walks either. And I, I, I do recall, uh, just based off of Dodger document, documentaries and everything I know about Willie Davis, that there wasn't a whole heck of a lot of uh, patience per se at the plate. It was more like a contact hitter got on base, not a lot of power, quite a bit of speed. So uh, for most players nowadays though, Adam Frazier is really the only guy I can think of off the top of my head uh, that kind of fits that comp. Is there anybody else that you could think of that, that is kind of the modern day? Um, Tim Anderson a little bit. He just swings That's a lot. A good one. High OBP Javier Baez in his prime. There's examples of it, but it's, it's definitely fewer and far between than, uh, it was in the past, that's for sure. All right, we got our first segment of the night, which is MLB Sips. Um, we're going to go over some big headlines in the MLB. The first that the MLB All-Star rosters were announced. So we're going to play a little game with this. Uh, anybody that you're shocked about, we'll give them the Hennessy and Lime designation. <laughs> I know is a, a nice little favorite drink of yours of late. Um, and if they're snubbed, they're all Lime, no Hennessy. So I'll let you lead this off. Who do you think – uh, deserves all lime, and who do you think uh, some Hennessy with lime? Yeah, first of all, shout out to uh, Amir Hassan for giving me this idea, as Derek just mentioned. Hennessy and lime, a combo you normally don't get, but man, the two of them go shockingly well together, and uh, I was shocked by that. I also was shocked by the fact that Teoscar Hernandez was named a starter for the American League outfield. I feel like there were a lot better options out there. Um, you could argue too that Mike Trout being in that outfield just didn't make a lot of sense considering he's been injured the majority of this year. But Teoscar Hernandez has put up decent numbers. I just don't know if it's starter worthy, if that makes sense. You look at guys like Aaron Judge, I, I think I would have rather seen, you know, a higher poll for him. Um, I, Mullins was the big one for me. I thought Mullins deserved a starting spot out there based off the numbers that he put out. Um, and uh, to be able to get pushed by Teoscar was a little bit surprising to me. Um, as far as a, a kind of shocked one, Jermaine Marquez for me, like I've always been on board that Jermaine Marquez is a very good pitcher and that as soon as he gets traded, he's going to go from being a good pitcher to being a great pitcher. But when you look at his numbers compared to a couple guys that I think were all Lyme, they got snubbed. Uh, Freddie Peralta and Max Scherzer, both those guys probably deserve to make it in. I mean, you could even argue that like Freddie Peralta or Scherzer, if you take one over Marquez, the other one should have probably still made it even over like you Darvish and you Darvish is at a fantastic season, but Peralta and Scherzer, you're talking about low twos ERAs with high strikeout numbers. One of them definitely at least should have got in for Marquez. So a uh, little surprise there as far as the American league, I would probably, I mean, I wasn't necessarily shocked given a Hennessy and Lime to you say Kikuchi. he he has had a very good season, so that doesn't shock me. On this one, unlike the Marquez one, 
it's more about the all lime, the snub for me, which I felt you could argue like Chris Bassett. Maybe you could even argue his teammate, Sean Manaya. But the way that Chris Bassett is pitched, him and Kikuchi have pretty similar numbers. I know Bassett just uh, gave up a handful of runs against the Astros on Monday, and that doesn't help some of the numbers there. But I just think Bassett over the course of the season has been a little bit better of a pitcher and more valuable to the team, what they're doing, and kind of the surprise at the top. He's been the ace of that staff so far this year. So I would give a little bit of an all-line, maybe a nibble off the line, a little bit of a snub for Chris Bassett. A little bit of a nibble of a lime. I, you know what? I, I would rather do that with a lemon, to be honest. But uh, I can, I can eat a lime. But one thing that I would say uh, for my all lime, and uh, I don't think you would disagree with me on this one, Derek. We kind of talked about it before the show. Uh, the all lime is Justin Turner for me, third baseman, of course, for the Dodgers. Who not only do I think he got snubbed as for not being picked in the starting lineup for the National League, he just straight up didn't get a pick to be in the All Star game. And uh, to me, you know, Mookie Betts, uh, his teammate on the Dodgers. No reason really for Mookie to be on that that lineup or in that roster for, for any means for me. Um, you know, Turner's teammate Muncie deserved to be in the starting lineup, I felt, as well. But the Dodgers' corners really not getting the picks and votes needed. Uh, Muncie, at least, is going to be in the All-Star game. He was selected to be on the team. But Turner putting up an unbelievable season so far. His average is over 300. Uh, his OPS is near 900 right now. You could make an argument that he has been the best player at third base in the National League. So the fact that he's just simply not on the all-star roster and his teammate Mookie Betts, mainly because of the name, probably got in over him. I mean, I'm very shocked by that. I, I can't believe that that's what happened here. I also really, you know, you could look at my tweets. You kind of would get a feel for how I feel about the all-star game. I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I don't really care that much about it. I do think that players, though, should be awarded for their success and what they've been able to do in the season. And so while I don't really care whether or not I see Justin Turner on the field during the all-star game, I do think he deserves some sort of respect and honor for what he's been able to accomplish this season. So yeah, all line for me on that one, Justin Turner has had a phenomenal year and that's not me being a homer. It's just look at the numbers. It, it makes too much sense for him to be on the roster. A bit of a disappointment there. All right. The other thing going on is the home run derby, which Features a field with Juan Soto, Matt Olson, Shohei Otani, Trevor Story, Pete Alonso, Trey Mancini, Salvador Perez, and Joey Gallo. So who are we drinking, the guys we're going to enjoy watching, and who are some of the top shelf people who uh, we're going to be picking, not just enjoy drinking, but think that it can uh, go far, maybe win the event? Yeah, I'll be drinking a Guinness for this one for sure. And uh, to go with my Guinness, I mean – I, you know, everybody's going to be excited to watch Shohei Otani. For me, to be honest with you, I'm really excited to watch Trey Mancini. I, I just love the story of this season, making the return from obviously having cancer to now making it to the field, being rather productive this year. Man, it would be such a cool story for him to be able to go out on the field and win the home run derby a year after suffering uh, from what he's been suffering from. So I will be sitting there, you know, sipping on some Guinness, rooting for my man Trey Mancini. That's going to be my my hope for that. As for top shelf, though, far from the Mike's Hard Lemonade that I'm drinking right now, the guy that I think is going to win this thing, you just look at a straight-up power swing, and, and to me, it just seems like Matt Olson has the capabilities of winning this whole thing. His stroke is amazing. He's been hitting absolutely unbelievable this season. Uh, I think that he's also probably going to be one of the underrated picks. So Matt Olson to me is actually going to be my pick because I think he's got the best stroke for this home run derby. I really do. 
I've yet to see odds revealed for this, but I would be very interested in like taking, I don't know, really anybody who's at the bottom of the list. Cause I, I really view everybody on this list and say, you could win the event. So it's just like, if they're going to give one guy like way less law odds than the other, I'd probably take them. I, I'm assuming Shohei Otani is going to be the favorite just based on kind of hype. Um, and I think Shohei Otani might hit some of the most mesmerizing home runs. I kind of like Juan Soto. I could see him putting on a show in Coors Field. So he'd be my top shelf pick. Um, but yeah, as far as the drinking, like I'm going to love and watching Shohei Otani. Um, I'm going to actually really enjoy watching Salvador Perez, seeing a catcher do this. And I think he could be an underrated pick in this as well. And then the two guys who, I, I mean, maybe even Trey Mancini is on the trade block a little bit um, just because the Orioles are bad. Although I, I don't know if they'd actually trade him given the story that's occurring, but like you have trade candidates and Trevor story, Joey Gallo, um, possibly Trey Mancini who are going up in this just to see them kind of advertise their brands on the national stage during the home run derby. That's going to be kind of interesting. To me. And the two major storylines as well with this that we haven't even touched on is that, you know, Trevor Story could be hitting in this home run derby just a couple days before getting traded out of his home ballpark. He'll be hitting in this home run derby at Coors Field and maybe the last time that we see him do anything in a Colorado Rockies jersey. And on top of that, the guy we haven't talked about really at all, Pete Alonso, he won the event in 2019. So it is going to be a really exciting event to watch. Um, you know, home run derby personally for me, it's very different than the all-star game. I will sit down carve out an evening to watch the home run derby there's just nothing i love more than watching dudes try to hit the ball as far as they humanly possibly can versus the all-star game it just it's lost its luster for me i I have a really hard time now that it doesn't matter for the world series Uh, you know everybody was so upset with oh this factors so much for home field advantage in the world series well now that we've gotten that out of the way i just feel like i don't really care that much about the all-star game but the home run i care about and uh yeah really looking forward to that yeah, and I will say I'd rather not care about one game than have it affect the the seven game World Series. Okay, which makes final, perfect sense. The final MLB sip is uh, the whole Trevor Bauer scandal. Dodgers have taken out all their merchandise involving him. They canceled the bobblehead night. Uh, he was given administrative leave. I, uh, there's no really uh, end in sight right now for the Dodgers with Bauer. Yeah, and uh, you know we can only say so much about this since we're not involved. Um, you know, you could argue the whole innocent till proven guilty. I feel like you kind of have to go that path. You just have to wait for the details. I'm not going to comment on anything more than that. Just saying simply let the details reveal themselves and let this kind of play out according to the people that are supposed to deal with this. Stop making assumptions, people on Twitter. Don't start shooting at somebody and saying that they're incorrect. But at the same time, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a frightening situation and and honestly, I, I'm just thankful that I'm not even marginally close to involved with this. All right. So we're, now we're going to move on to something a little more happy, or maybe in other cases, uh, a little more sad, although not really to that last story. Probably not a great segue there, but we're going to do cheers, pour one out. First up, cheers to Jake Berger for getting called up. And Jake Berger has quite the amazing story. He was a first-round pick and a high first-round pick at that. We're not just talking, you know, compensation pick or something like that. Um, But he got picked 11th overall to the Chicago White Sox out of Missouri State, a guy who was just a slugger in college, a third baseman in the 2017 MLB draft. And then he had a couple years where he missed due to injury um, out for the full season. I think there were like Achilles injuries. It, it was some sort of bad injury. Um, so he comes back this past year in 2021, 
killing it at AAA. I'm talking over a 900 OPS at AAA. So he gets called up to the Chicago White Sox due to some injuries that they're occurring. So far, he's had success. I mean, it's a very, very small sample size, but he's doing really good. And when you combine the minor league numbers with the high draft pick pedigree, I would think he's going to be good for the long term. How much playing time he's going to get when everyone's healthy and will it be this high of sustenance with what he's doing? I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of interested in his fantasy value, but at the very least, cheers to him for getting called up. Yeah, absolutely. Exciting to see what he, he can do along with Gavin Sheets, who's been kind of going along with him. The White Sox sustaining quite a few injuries this year, still finding a way, though, uh, to be incredibly relevant in the AL. Still my pick, by the way, to win that that uh, the AL. But um, going to be exciting to watch this kid. Obviously heard a lot about him uh, when he was – you know, entering the draft. And uh, so now we get a chance to see what he's actually capable of doing. Congratulations, Berger, on uh, making it to uh, the big show. All right. What about uh, some of the Brewers fantasy players? I feel like we should give a big cheers to all of them. Yeah, I mean, this is absolutely unbelievable what they're able to accomplish. First of all, the Brewers as a whole, they're in first place. They have a sizable lead. And uh, Derek, you kind of can come at me if you think I'm wrong, but I think we're probably going to agree they have the best rotation, especially the best one, two, three in all of baseball, in my opinion. The way that Woodruff is pitching, uh, he's been lights out. He's going to be overshadowed, obviously, by Jacob deGrom. Uh, but he's been as good as any pitcher on the planet so far. Then when you add Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta in the mix there, I mean, none of these guys have an ERA over three. Uh, they're striking out hitters at rapid rates. They're keeping the Brewers not only alive, but they're actually thriving at this point uh, atop the NL Central with a sizable lead, as I mentioned, over the Reds. Uh, and, you know, we can't also forget about the fact after acquiring Willie Adamas, which I'll be the first to admit, I did not think that was much of a move at all. Uh, he is produced at a high level. I mean, he's been incredibly effective in Milwaukee. Uh, so the fact that that's working out well for them, it looks like the Brewers are a legitimate team and a threat in the playoffs. I do not, if I'm any team in the National League, I do not want to face them in the NLDS because that means I'm facing Woodruff probably twice and I'm probably facing Corbin Burns twice and I have to face Freddie Peralta in the middle. Good luck with that one. Yeah, I guess this doesn't apply right now to Christian Yelich, which is kind of odd. I mean, it's only been five games so far in July, like barely over 700 OPS. But it was in the mid-800s in June. The batting average really hasn't been there all season long. I mean, it is just incredible, though, those pitchers. If you got your hands on really any of those guys, because Brandon Woodruff, less so, he was supposed to be a high pick. Corbin Burns was as well, but it was more of like, that top 75 to 100 guy as opposed to being like that top maybe 30 to 50 guy like Woodruff was. Um, but if you got Freddie Peralta in fantasy, you're probably killing it because you probably got him for the cheap. And now he is a legit Cy Young candidate. And all three of those guys are going to make for mayhem if you play them in a postseason series. And imagine being in our fantasy league where all three of those guys are <laughs> on the same team. Uh, unbelievable. Shout out to Jacob in our league. Newcomer in our league and already with probably the best pitching rotation I've ever seen. So, That's yeah. Unbelievable. Just get the best pitchers on the best pitching team. That's not a bad strategy. All right, we're going to pour one out for the uh, divisional foe of the Milwaukee Brewers. That would be the Chicago Cubs. They got no hit, and since then, they really haven't figured out how to hit. They have been tanking of late over the course of the season, and now I wonder if they are going to go into sell mode at the trade deadline. 
if you play fantasy baseball, this is a very interesting circumstance because first of all, if you're an owner, if you have shares of Craig Kimbrell, I feel like unfortunately for as great of a year as he's had, his value is going to drop off significantly because if they sell off key pieces, he's going to have less opportunities to close out big games. So that might be a little bit frustrating if you're a Kimbrell owner. More importantly, if you're a Chris Bryant owner, all of a sudden it looked from, wow, this is one of the top players in the league to, uh-oh, he has gone on a massive slump, really killing your fantasy team right now. And there's also a chance that he is, and, and I think a pretty high chance, Derek, that he is going to be changing jerseys by the end of this month. So it's definitely something to keep the eyes on. Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, those are two that it's really difficult for me to see in other jerseys. But I think Javi Baez may end up seeing them, himself in another jersey as well. He's very likely considering the free agency impending. Um, Anthony Rizzo is the one that I just don't see happening. I think that he stays with the Cubs. And if you're an owner of Anthony Rizzo in fantasy baseball, that may doom you, to be honest. His value may drop off significantly if he loses the two key assets in that lineup, keep in mind, Patrick Wisdom was for a little bit there, at least the trendy pick, the trendy pick up. Um, he may get some more playing time if Bryant and or Baez somehow go out and they have to kind of fill the position, share them up. Uh, there's a chance that you see Wisdom uh, get some play time as well. Jock Peterson may be on the way out. So it, it's really kind of a mess there all of a sudden in Chicago. And who would have thought that throwing a no hitter would be the reason why? I think I'd like to say it's because I was there. I'm the one that cursed the Chicago Cubs. So if you're a Cubs fan, feel free to send me some hate mail. I deserve it. <laughs> well, uh, I do wonder if they do make some of these trades, like does that bring any interesting players up uh, into the fold? Does it, you know, create more playing time? Like if, if Chris Bryant goes, there's more outfield playing time. Does all of a sudden Jock Peterson start to get even more playing time for the team? Um, if you trade away some of these guys, do you see – even more Braylon Marquez. Um, so far, he hasn't been up in 2021. We know he struggled in one brief appearance in 2020. But I don't know. Kind of interesting to track the dominoes there. But definitely, a, from a Cubs perspective, definitely pour one out there. Uh, cheers to Kyle Schwarber for going on a giant tear in the month of June. But then also pour one out for Kyle Schwarber's hamster. Yeah, this is such a sad segment that we're having so far. But to be honest, it really... Schwarber's had an unbelievable year date back to 2016, 2017, you know, from a fantasy perspective, he was the guy that everybody wanted to own because he had the catcher eligibility. And then he just kind of fell off the face of the earth. It felt like, like he just was not producing at a high level. Obviously when you take away that catcher position, the value drops off a little bit, but then you see him relocate to Washington and to say the least, he's outshining Jock Peterson by a lot this year. So I, I knew that everybody was going to kind of compare the two just because Jock Peterson kind of takes his place in Chicago. Schwarber then goes out to Washington to try and relocate, find some success somewhere else. And he's done that. And the power strokes there, the success has been incredible to watch. Uh, Schwarber's a likable player. Um, so I've been happy to watch what he's been able to do. I'm now really worried because any injury can really derail any consistency that's been put together. And so you have to kind of worry about the fact that Schwarber getting injured. Maybe we're not going to have the same Schwarber we had in the first half here in the second half. Uh, so definitely unfortunate to have to kind of add that extra note right there. I, I hate seeing these guys getting injured and really a bummer when a guy like Schwarber is going off. Uh, pour one out to all the rain outs and rain delays in July. 
Obviously, if you have players on, I mean, there's a litany of teams that have been affected by this a lot. Mets, Brewers, Indians, Rays, Dodgers, Nationals, Yankees, Marlins, Phillies, the Angels. All kind of over the last week, we've seen a lot of it so far in July. Um, I, I know you've been a big proponent over the past couple of years that every stadium should have a roof in it. Um, I would say no, because I actually, so I actually have kind of tailored my, I mean, it's not like a fantasy strategy because it doesn't happen enough um, to make it worthwhile, but I kind of like it when I have a player who gets a rain delay because then I know they're going to have a double header the next day, which means extra at bats and everything. And as long as you have a deep hitting lineup, if you're a daily lineup as opposed to a weekly lineup um, setting league, uh, as long as you're the daily one and you have the deep hitting lineup, you can sub somebody in so you still get those plate appearances that day. Then you're going to get double the next day. So I kind of actually like it. I'm all for it, but I know you were uh, very different from that. I think it's the time zone that you're in too. So here's the thing, being on the West Coast time zone and being in television at the time that uh, most of these decisions are made, I'm generally not looking at my phone at 4 p.m. Pacific time, which is 6 o'clock Central time, you yeah, know, 7 o'clock Eastern time. So whenever these decisions are made, I'm never looking <laughs> and ready to adjust. So while Derek is there in Kansas and ready to pounce at any moment, I'm still – Finding out probably about two to three hours later, and by that moment, I am already screwed. So, yes, unfortunately, I'm very much anti-rain delay, anti-rain outs. I, I do have to say for ballparks like Fenway Park and Wrigley Field, yeah, you don't want to change what's pretty much perfect. And I know some people are going to probably comment and say those places are trash. They're too old. They're historic. You can't touch them. They're amazing places. But for places like the Minnesota Twins Target Field, Come on. We, we know what weather goes on there. That's a new ballpark. Why the heck did we not at least consider the idea of having something to cover our bodies after 20 degrees outside? I mean, it is just ludicrous to me. I do think for the newer stadiums, it should be a requirement. I am also not paying that money to have to build in those retractable roofs. So I can say that without having to say I also have to spend $35, $40 million on that. So that's my little spiel, uh, the TED Talk for the day. But I do think any new ballparks – should have a retractable roof or some way of preventing these stupid rain delays from screwing me in fantasy baseball. All right, pour one out for the all-star game because no Jacob DeGrom. That is sad. I mean, uh, beyond everything we mentioned with the all-star game not really mattering anymore, this would have been maybe the uh, crowning jewel of the game, getting to see Jacob DeGrom pitch against a lineup of all-stars and probably see him strike out all three anyway. <laughs> Yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I mean, everybody tunes in for the All-Star game in the first inning. And so not being able to see the best pitcher on the planet. And also, I mean, we're not going to be able to see the best hitter on the planet, which is Mike Trout in the game either. So is it really the All-Star game if the two best players aren't playing? I don't know. I, I just I have a really hard time with it. I've already gave my spiel on that. I had a lot of hot takes early in this one. I'm going to leave it be. But yeah, unfortunate that Jacob DeGrom is not starting this game. I do hope that we see Shohei Otani starting. I would love to see the all-star starter also be the all-star DH or hitter, if you will. Won't DH since it's the National League. So I want to see the actual pitcher hit in the lineup. That would be pretty cool. Okay, well, before we get to our shotgun six-pack finish up, we're going to do a little fantasy baseball trade your drinks in. All right, first up, would you do this trade? And you can tell me which side you would do it for or you wouldn't do it. I don't know. Matt Olson <laughs> for Chris Bryant and – you can decide what the league is if you would do it in a year league and dynasty league, whatever it is. So Matt Olson, Chris Bryant, would you do it or no? 
I, it's tough for me because these are two very comparable players. And, and the reason why we bring up even these names is because you look at the trends on Yahoo of, you know, this player should be traded for this one. Well, this is a pretty even comp for me. I like Matt Olson, I think a little bit more. Um, but with Chris Bryant potentially being traded to another team, there's always intrigue for me. I, I think that a change of scenery really does a lot of have a lot of fantasy value, i.e. look at Nick Castellanos, uh, the way that his numbers have just skyrocketed. Um, so, yeah, maybe if you put Chris Bryant in a lineup that's thriving a little bit more, I don't know, like the Chicago White Sox. I doubt that the Cubs trade him to the White Sox, but just something fun to play around with that. I think if you put him in a lineup like that or, you know, some lineup that's thriving a lot more than the Cubs are, uh, hitters park. I, I would love to see Bryant in that situation. So it's tough, but I'm going to go with Matt Olson. Yeah. For a yearly league going Matt Olson, just the, the tanking from Chris Bryant of late. I don't know, but I, I think in a dynasty, I still might go with Chris Bryant. Um, I just love his positional versatility and with Matt Olson, I think he's having a career year, but let's not forget. He's not far away from being a guy who is hitting around the Mendoza line for only power. So long-term I still might lean Chris Bryant, but definitely for this year, I'm going with Matt Olson, which is funny because I think Matt Olson's actually a little bit younger than Chris Bryant. Um, Ozzy Albies and Carlos Correa for Max Muncie, not the possible MLB draft pick this weekend, Maximilian <laughs> Muncie, uh, Ozzy Albies and Carlos Correa for Max Muncie and Jack Flaherty. Which side do you like there? First of all, just going off that point, I really do hope the Dodgers draft Max Muncy. That would be pretty sweet. I think they have the exact same birthday too, which is insanity <laughs> that that's actually a thing. So pretty cool that that happened. Um, in terms of this, this deal right here, so you're looking at a second baseman for a second baseman, essentially, and then a shortstop for a pitcher. If you're in need of pitching, Jack Flaherty is a great option, but the injury definitely scares me a little bit. If you're looking at a keeper league, though, I don't know, Derek. I have a hard time with this one because – to me, Muncie and Correa, I think I value Muncie a little bit more. And so you're basically looking at the Flaherty versus Albies. Do you value pitching or do you value hitting? And for me, I think with the rarity of starting pitching and good starting pitching, I might actually have to lean uh, regardless of the shortstop situation. I can fill shortstop because there's a lot of talent at shortstop. I, I think I got to go with the more premium position here and get Muncie and Flaherty. What about you? You're a big Aussie Albies guy. I am a big Aussie Albies guy. Um, I, I mean – I'll take a little bit of a cop out here. Um, if you're in a one-year league and you need pitching and you need on-base percentage, if your league has on-base percentage, go with the Muncie and Flaherty side of this. But in a dynasty league, I go hands down Albies and Correa over Muncie and Flaherty here. Um, I don't know what's up with Jack Flaherty. Uh, you go back to 2020 and some of his peripherals just dropped off big time. Now you go to 2021. Let me read some of these off to you. His average exit velocity against is in the just 24th percentile. Hard hit rate, 36th percentile. Expected ERA, 31st percentile. Expected slugging, 29th percentile. He's getting barreled up at a 38th percentile rate. Um, his chase rate, people aren't chasing it out of the zone. Something's up there. Uh, the fastball velocity is in the 55th percentile. Like you go down the list and it's just, it's weird. He has a 2.90 ERA, which is obviously great. Um, but I'm not sure how much that's going to continue through the rest of the season. And if that starts to drop off, 
I think his value is going to drop as well, especially given everything that's gone on with the sticky substances. People are just going to assume whether that's right or wrong. So I'm, I'm kind of down a little bit on Jack Flaherty. I still think he's a good pitcher. He's obviously been able to find ways to have success despite some lower metrics, which is important because some players are just good at that. But I'm not totally in on him, so I would take Albies and Correa uh, for the long term there. Uh, what so about we, Alex? We agree. Bruce? We agree on uh, one trade, and we disagree on one trade. Okay, yes. this is we need to keep a tracker on this. This is kind of interesting. All right, Alex Bregman for Nick Castellanos. Okay, this is this is probably the hardest one, um, partially because I just think long term, if you're in a keeper league, I, I believe Alex Bregman's the better player. Um, Bregman's also hurt this year. So if you're in a one-year league, I think Castellanos is the move. I, I, I would take Castellanos. I think that the success he's had in the first half is going to translate in the second half. The Reds have been playing better baseball. It looks like they may be buyers at the deadline, um, or they may stay where they're at. They're not going to be trading off Castellanos, obviously. They're not trading Winker. So the lineup's still going to be productive regardless of whatever they do. Um, but I have a really hard time with this one for a keeper league because as much as I love the production that Castellanos has, I can't pass on what Alex Bregman offers me long-term. He's still relatively young. Uh, the power numbers are going to be there. You know they're going to be there for a while. He's in a better lineup, I would say, across the board. Um, the production levels just – I can't match it with Alex Bregman. Um, so I, I would take Bregman in a keeper league. If it's a one-year league, i take Castellanos. Yep, I'm in 100% agreement with you there. But also, you know – if you're trying to go for it now in a keeper league and you think Castellanos is going to get you over the edge and you can do that trade, then maybe you do try for it. But yeah, I, I think I'd agree with you overall. All right. The last trade, Shane Bieber for Pablo Lopez, Joe Musgrove, Nate Pearson, and Jake Berger. Wow. I like this one. And mainly because Derek in our keeper league has Shane Bieber. So looking at these names, um, <laughs> To be honest with you, I, I always go for the big gun. Uh, I think that Bieber's the reliable one with the sticky substance situation. Uh, you know, it is hard, obviously, to decipher who is for real and who's not, uh, i.e. Garrett Cole. Um, but I just have a hard time trusting young pitchers. And Shane Bieber is a young pitcher, but he's already proven to me everything that I need to know about him. Um, the injury is a little scary. Uh, I don't like picking up guys on the IL uh, during trades. It's not really my thing. But if I'm in a keeper league or in a one-year league, I think I would rather have Bieber. The other thing is, if you are lacking pitching depth, you may be obviously way more inclined to take this deal. If you are getting the Lopez, Musgrove, Pearson, I just don't know how much I actually buy Joe Musgrove. I, I like him as a pitcher, but this is the first year he's really gained any attention, I would say, across the board. His peripherals are great, and I know Derek loves that, the Caper 9 especially. Um, I think he is for real. It's just that Shane Bieber, to me, is an elite talent that's proven to be elite. And, Drew, you know, Nate Pearson, his injuries, his – uh, he's young. I, it's hard to know exactly when he's going to pan out. I do believe he's going to pan out. Uh, Pablo Lopez is a pretty dang good pitcher. Um, I really love everything about him. And I know I think you're talking yourself into this side of the trade. It's really, I mean, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, okay, it's not a terrible offer. It's just, I have a hard time giving up a guy like Shane Bieber for pieces that are a little more questionable or more so, uh, that have the growth ahead of them. I would say if you are in dead last in your league and it's a keeper league and you have Shane Bieber, then you maybe make this move. 
Otherwise, I would probably keep the Shane Bieber side just because if you're going to win now, you want the guy that's going to be uh, the man that hits the most categories for you. The hardest thing if you're in a head-to-head league in fantasy baseball is you always want that overlapping two-start week, right? And the killer is when your best pitcher is pitching on a Friday because then you're just like, ah, man, like I've worked my whole season for this and I only get one start from him. And that's it. And so it would really suck for Shane Bieber if he lines up on, say, a Friday uh, for the final week of your championship season versus one of these three, the likelihood of them starting on a Monday or Tuesday is way higher. You have the better odds of having better pitchers. So it's whatever you value. It is very difficult for me, but I'm taking the Bieber side. I don't have a uh, opinion here. I actually got offered this trade in fantasy baseball and I wanted your opinion. So (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm keeping this, the, the Shane Bieber side for you. So I, I had a gut feeling that's where we were going here. And uh, so I, I don't know. I, Derek, if I'm you, I'm keeping Bieber, though. But you know I love my Marlins pitchers. So uh, I know you do. If Alcantara was in there and uh, Rodgers, then I would say maybe reconsider. But you're not getting all the Marlins pitchers. <laughs> all right. Uh, on to our final segment, Shotgun Six Pack. This is our speed round. First up. Does Rowdy Telez, now that he's been traded to the Milwaukee Brewers, does he have any fantasy value now? No. (laughs) I mean, we're going to keep this one super quick, Shotgun. No, he has no value. Don't pick him up. Don't go anywhere near him. I'll give the caveat. If you're in an NL-only, like, 40-man roster league, like it's a deep league, or like a even if it's a 25-man roster league. If he's the last player available. Yeah, if just a deep, deep rostered league, right? If – you have 15 teams or something in an NL only league. Sure. Give him a tryout, but I, I don't think he's going to be much more than a part-time guy for the Brewers. And it's not like he's elite in the part-time role anyway. So not really. Uh, number two, if you were drafting really early right now for a 2022 fantasy baseball league, who are you taking first? This is so difficult because uh, first of all, let's clarify for this. Mm-hmm. Shohei Otani is not a two-way player in fantasy baseball in this league we're drafting, correct? Because if he is, if it's a fan tracks league uh, that you're playing in, which, by the way, the interface on fan tracks is terrible. Uh, <laughs> but if you're playing in a two-way league where, where Shohei is both a starting pitcher and a hitter, there is absolutely no doubt in the world why you shouldn't pick Shohei Otani because he's going to give you the same offensive numbers as anybody else I'm going to name here. Plus, he's going to give you solid pitching stats. I mean, that that's an obvious number one overall. I, I actually – I think it was one of our first shows, Derek, where I had said something about that and it's panned out accordingly. It's probably one of the best hot takes that I had and I'm sticking with it. I would take Shohei Otani if you get the two-way. If you don't get the two-way though, it's really difficult for me not to pick somebody in a premium position. So you have Juan Soto, you have Ronald Acuna Jr. that play the outfield. I can get outfielders late in the draft. I've got to probably go with Fernando Tatis Jr. Vlad Guerrero Jr., um, and to be honest with you, I think I like the speed of Tatis more just because I think the versatility is there uh, for that too. You're going to get similar power numbers, so I'd probably take Tatis one overall. I'm going to go Vladdy with a slight nod. Um, the thing that scares me about Acuna and Tatis is you have maybe a little bit more of recent injury history, so I'll just go with Vladdy playing on the corners, maybe hopefully staying uh, a little bit more healthy. Number three, Odd Shark has the Dodgers as World Series favorites. They're at plus 350. Uh, here's some other teams that could be interesting. Brewers are 14 to 1. Giants at 18 to 1. Somehow the Yankees are 16 to 1. Uh, the Reds are 66 to 1. So, of just that group that we mentioned, would you take the Dodgers or the field? The field would be the Brewers, Giants, Yankees, and Reds. Which side are you taking? 
Yeah, I would take the field, to be honest, especially with what I've witnessed with the Marlins-Dodgers series already. I mean, and, and granted, it's a long season. But what scares me about this current Dodgers team, you know, coming into the season, they had, quote-unquote, the best pitching depth they've ever had. Well, all of a sudden, Clayton Kershaw's on the I.L., Trevor Bauer is non-existent. He, he's stuck in a situation I don't think he's ever going to get out. But I, like I said, I'm not going to cast my judgment until uh, a judge does that. Um, then you have Walker Buehler, who is the actual number one right now, uh, which I mean, great number one to have. Julio Arias pitching more innings he's ever pitched before. Um, I'm kind of concerned about that just a little bit. Then you have Tony Gonsolin, who was hurt at the start of the year. Uh, he's obviously back, but there's obviously that injury concern. Uh, Dustin May is out for the year and David Price for whatever reason, the Dodgers have just deemed him to be irrelevant as a starting pitcher. I'm that's probably my worst thing that I've seen. I don't understand why that's a thing. David Price should be a starting pitcher. They're paying him 30 plus million dollars. Make the dude a pitcher. Stop having him pitch near all the games. It's just stupid. But I, I think the Dodgers identity right now is all over the place. They win nine straight games. Then they lose three in a row to the Marlins as we do the show. Um, I love the Brewers. I, I honestly, the fact that the Brewers are 14 to one, I think that's a really good bet to make. Uh, the pitching is just phenomenal. And I think that they are going to make a move at the deadline for somebody that can really help out that offense. I, I think that they see this window and they should see this window and notice it's an opportunity to be the best team in the national league. If they make a move for a guy like Trevor story, uh, if they went for – I don't think they'll get Chris Bryant in the division. I highly doubt that's a move. But how about Starling Marte? Uh, pretty solid fit there. I think that the Brewers jump on them before they make a move because I think that's a good one. And if you're giving me the field, hey, if you're giving me the Reds at 66-1 to 1 odds, I, I love the offense enough that at least I'd give them some thought. So, yeah, I, I would take the field in that one. What about you? I think I'd take the field as well. I, I usually like the field bets. It's just so hard to repeat to win a title anyway. And then the Brewers are the big one. I agree. I'm, how could you not love that pitching staff and the way the offense seems to be improving? Okay, number four, uh, one-year league for fantasy so that we don't have to worry about the keeper thing here. Which breakout player would you prefer for the second half of the fantasy season? Cedric Mullins, Brian Reynolds, Adam Frazier, Brandon Crawford, or Kyle Schwarber? This is a brutal one because it's almost like you have to kind of put some sort of logic to the side and in – you know, you can't necessarily look at the current numbers right now and say, this is the player I'm getting in the second half. But out of these five, the one that I think I can trust the most just based off of past experience would probably be Brian Reynolds. Um, I really like the talent that's there. I think it's for real. I think that the power has shown up uh, more this year and it's going to stay. Um, the other four, I, I'm not discounting them. I just have a really hard time seeing Cedric Mullins continue to hit over 300 and have power numbers as well. Maybe I'll be completely wrong. He could be like a Cattell Marte type. Um, I could see that being the case. Uh, he would probably be my second choice on this. Adam Frazier, I think, will have a bit of a fall off. Uh, Brandon Crawford's old. It's difficult to figure that one out. And Kyle Schwarber with the injury, I'm not too thrilled about that. That kind of does play part of the role and why I pick Ryan Reynolds. What about you? Yeah, I'm going Reynolds as well. The Schwarber injury – um, Mullins, I think is a good player, but he, I, I'm not buying into being over 300 guy. I think he is closer to, I mean, if you look at like, for instance, the bad X, which I think is one of the better projection systems out there. It looks at all your baseball savant expected numbers and hard hit rates, all that stuff. And, uh, kind of looks at some of your old numbers as well and factors it all in and figures out a rest of season projection. He's closer to a 260 guy. Uh, Adam Frazier, 
Same way he's expected to see his average drop. And once the average drops, he doesn't have any power. Brandon Crawford's had a great season. I love Brandon Crawford. Um, but I don't think it's going to continue to this level at all. I, I think he'll still have his career best season hitting, but that's not as good as a Brian Reynolds in my eye. So to me, it's, it's, it's Brian Reynolds for sure there. Uh, number five, the seven inning combined no-no for the Tampa Bay Rays is blank. It's actually hilarious to me is what I'll say. First of all, there was more attention. Uh, the day of recording is the day that this actually happened. I've had like five updates already about the seven inning no-no that the Rays threw that was combined uh, compared to maybe the one that I got when Madison Bumgarner did this earlier in the year when we were sitting around debating whether it was a no-no or not. And I think we've just accepted that this is somewhat of a no-no. It's bizarre. I mean, honestly, that's another word you could throw out there. Uh, (laughs) It's hard to figure out whether this is actually worthy of a no-no. I know seven innings is abbreviated. It's way harder to get those final six outs. Um, But I kind of was on the side with Madison Baumgartner that that to me was a no-no. You throw no hits or you give up no hits, it's a no-hitter. Um, so I, I think it's funny uh, to me that, you know, we're going to probably always have this debate without having an actual real answer. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I see that. Yeah, it, uh, my, my feeling would be is on brand because there's nothing more on brand than the Tampa Bay Rays not <laughs> even – being able to give a, a starting pitcher a seven-inning no-hitter when that's the opportunity. This is on brand for the Rays. They throw openers. They mix and match. They do whatever you can. So, uh, I, I mean, good for them, I guess. All right, last one in the shotgun six-pack. The starting pitching matchup for the All-Star game should be what? I want Olivia Rodrigo to face Shohei Otani just so I can get – Show Olivia Rodrigo Tani, uh, the combo of the two. I want the collab. Now, I, I think it should be Shohei Otani uh, going for the American League. If they don't do that, that's a huge mistake uh, for the All Star game. If you want viewers, the best way to do that, put your best talent out there. Shohei should be on the hill and should be batting second in the lineup uh, for that game. For the National League, now that Jacob DeGrom's not starting, I mean, you go down the list of starting pitchers. We're gonna we've been talking about them this whole entire show. Might as well end with them, right? I think Brandon Woodruff deserves to get the nod. Uh, I really like everything that he's done this season. Um, you know, Walker Bueller would have actually been somebody I would have considered to say start that game. He's not even on the All Star roster. You talk about a snub, that's another one. Uh, but Woodruff to me would be the starter for the National League. Have him go up against Shohei Otani. Uh, but, of course, Olivia Rodrigo, give her a shot, too. Give us a show. Show Olivia Rodrigo, Tani, and I'll see myself out. I was wondering where you were going with that, and I am uh, thoroughly disappointed. You should take another drink for that. Okay. Uh, good um, for you. <laughs> I would go with uh, – I, I mean, this would be, like, the most boring all-star starter that I can remember. But, like, Kyle Gibson is the current leader in the American League in both ERA Plus and War for American league pitchers. So, I mean, he's had a great season. Why Convince not? Convince me not to watch the all-star game anymore, Derek. That's a perfect <laughs> way to do that. I know. Right. Uh, as far as the national league, Jacob DeGrom not being there, obviously takes away the, the hands down candidate there to me, the three best candidates that I can't really decipher between Brandon Woodruff, Zach Wheeler and Kevin Gossman. I'll just be a giant homer. I'll take Kevin Gossman. I want to see him start. So. I like that one. I actually think Gosman, you could make an argument's the most deserving. And um, I would watch that. Shohei Otani versus Kevin Gosman. Didn't we get that pitching matchup just a couple 
days ago, I want to say. Yeah, so, that was the game that went to like a million innings. And the Giants yeah. ended up scoring like seven innings in like the 13th or 12th. or something. Yeah, let's let's do that again. Let's 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 get some fireworks going in Coors Field. Shohei Otani gives up 19 home runs. <laughs> Gosman gives up 20. It becomes a 102 to 100 game in Coors Field. That's That's exactly what the people want to watch at home. So let's do it. Yeah, give them aluminum baths. Why not? <laughs> All right, subscribe to us. Give us a five-star review. We're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Amazon Audible. You can follow us on social media at Booze and Baseball. You can reach out to our email, boozeandbaseball at gmail.com. you got any questions or uh, want to suggest some alcohol to review, check out everything on justbaseball.com as well. And thanks to Mixkit for the stock music, Man Cave Merch, for our coasters. Congratulations, first of all, Man Cave Merch. They're sending us some new merch we're excited to reveal next week. But more importantly, Man Cave Merch, also known as my boy Thomas, uh, about to have his firstborn child this week. So uh, we'll have to get him a baseball card of his uh, own kid here. It's going to be uh, pretty awesome to see our boy Miles Meek, uh, as we, he will be known uh, this week. So really excited for Thomas Meek, and uh, also known as Man Cave Merch. Exciting time for him. Yeah, awesome stuff. Uh, and thank you again for everything you do for us, man. Give merch. All right, drink responsibly and have a good one. For Dusty Baker, I'm Derek Johnson. Later. <laughs>